the global cost of cybercrime is hundreds of billions of dollars to both businesses and the global economy every single year. However, the true cost of hacking and cyber attacks isn't just the money being lost. It can lead to other disruptions and losses too, all of which are bad for businesses. I'm Danny Palmer. This is ZDNet Security Update. And with me to discuss the true cost of cybercrime is Adam Philpott, Senior Vice President at McAfee. Thanks for joining me, Adam. So first of all, what is the annual cost of cybercrime right now? It's actually huge. Great to be here, by the way, Danny. Uh, we've, uh, we, we run these reports regularly because it's interesting to keep an eye on how the economic impact is changing over time. We've seen a significant increase. A uh, trillion dollars is what we estimate the impact to be. That's about 1% of global GDP. And that's significantly up since 2018. Just to give you some context, back in 2018, it's about $600 million, uh, now up uh, to, uh, as I said, a trillion dollars. So pretty big. And there's obviously the initial financial impact of all of this. And we've seen with the cost of you know, ransomware, the cost of ransomware taxes uh, going up, uh, various bits of data being sold on underground forums, uh, businesses losing email, uh, losing money in um, email compromise scams. But there's more to just the, the, the initial attack. Uh, when, when, when organizations are hit by hackers, it's not just one and done. It can have a long-term effect on, on finances as well. No, that's, that's quite right. And I mean, that's why we refer to it as the hidden cost of cybercrime, because some things have a financial value. You can put financial value on outages, on lost information, on lost productivity. Other things are less easy to put a financial value on. And so if we think about what some of those dimensions are, you can think about uh, personally identifiable information, PII. That's painful but that's not as painful as if you have a performance impact on your business. That's where the real dollars uh, start to come in. Um, you know, there's other implications as well. So you think about when you have an outage, one of the costs isn't just those implications on your performance, but actually additional investments you may then make as a result. So for example, about $145 million uh, of, that, uh, of, the, of that impact uh, is uh, a billion dollars rather is related to the uh, the spend on cyber and on people to then come in uh, and help mitigate. Uh, there are other things that are actually even more hidden though. So you might think uh, of organisations that actually retreat from their online presence, uh, which has an implication on their ability to execute in the market. Particularly as we think about the digitisation which is going on uh, with many of our clients. So so those are just some. Uh, of a number of different implications uh, that our clients are facing and the costs that they're then having to bear. I suppose one of the big examples of how much uh, cyber attacks can cost organisations is uh, not Petri when it hits uh, organisations around the world uh, a few years ago. Uh, of course, you had uh, companies like huge shipping companies having the initial hit of not being able to do business because their, uh, their systems are all offline. Then you have companies you know, with tens of thousands of employees having to essentially rebuild their entire IT infrastructure, which I imagine must cost a fortune. Yeah, and it's, and, you know, it's, it's not just the costs of rebuilding. It's the, I mean, that's actually dwarfed by the impacts on their top-line revenues, of course, because they're unable to transact during those periods, uh, which has a massive implication on their market valuation. So then you can see how there's a hit on revenue, there's a hit on brand valuation, and there's also a hit on long-term uh, uh, you know, customer uh, relationships as well, and that longer-term revenue stream as well. So it's pretty significant, uh, the cost of an outage. That's where it really starts to get into some of the big dollars. 
and I won't name names in particular, but we've seen instances of where a company has been hit by a major cyber attack and that has hit their reputation. People either not wanting to do business for that company anymore or trying, even trying to get out of the, the you know, contract or services they might have with them. So they think, okay, well, I, I don't trust these guys uh, with my data. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. And we see them, you know, in the last few weeks even, which I guess is what you're referring to there as well. Um, I, do you know what, though? I, I also view how, how, how can the glass be half full, right? Because it's all doom and gloom, you know, and cybercrime is a reality of doing business today. So cybercrime is the risk, is part of the risk that we take in pursuit of the benefits that we seek when we digitize. And so when, the other way we can also look at it is, you know, you, you take, for example, Apple Computer or some other large organizations are actually using data privacy and using cyber resilience and cyber security to their strategic advantage to say, actually, you know, do business with us because of these things. And so it, it's been talked about a lot, um, but it's nice to see it starting to manifest is that people are seeing this as part of their uh, strategic differentiation as an organization. And actually, even further than that, part of who they are, part of their brand persona, I would say as well. Yes, you mentioned Apple there, and there are a few companies like that which you know, do seem to be presenting themselves as, look at us, we can keep your information secure, which is uh, good for them, good for consumers. But I suppose they can't be completely impenetrable either. I mean, there's, they've still got to be careful when it comes to, uh, comes to protecting themselves, because as we've seen in the world of cybersecurity, a lot of bold claims can be made about being unhackable. And yeah. You, Usually those companies which say they're not, they're unhackable tend to end up finding they have people getting very interested into getting into their networks. Yeah, we, we, we often don't see that anymore because it's the, probably the quickest way to become proven wrong. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think also we've, you know, the industry has matured to recognize it's a shifting target. And... I mean, I, you know, I talk a lot about risk. risk. Risk seems less popular as a topic in the cyber domain somewhat these days. Um, but for me, that's how it ties back to the business because business is all about taking risks in the pursuit of growth. And if you don't take any risks, you don't get any growth. And so it's, it's become an accepted reality of the world. Of course, we try to negate and mitigate to the, to the best possible degree what that risk is, but we are still taking risk. The other thing I would say <coughs> is it ties to complexity you know we've talked already on this conversation around the nature of the threats you touched on ransomware you gave some examples so the threat landscape is part of the risk but another component of the risk is the complexity that organizations are seeking to secure and that complexity is sometimes in their underlying infrastructure so for example as we've seen throughout this year the uh, the attack surface as we call it has got significantly bigger as people have been connecting from home on different devices non-corporate devices etc but the other dimension of complexity is the way in which they secure uh, that infrastructure itself that's also extremely complex a product here a product there quick these people are working from home let's get another product and that may solve a near and they get they may give an, an immediate fix to a need but it actually creates longer term challenges in terms of the overall complexity um, as you think about taking a more integrated architectural approach to this rather than a piecemeal approach and giving rise to unnecessary complexity so those are all elements i think of risk as well you touched upon uh, something that a lot of us have been dealing with this year the sudden 
uh, change to working from home. Uh, how has this impacted uh, cybersecurity and indeed how, how cyber criminals have been attempting to operate? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I find it fascinating, I have to say, um, do, doing this discussion on video, we may have done it in person in the past. And, you know, I, I was on a group discussion with our engineering team yesterday because we were talking about the, the what we've seen during the pandemic in terms of the way people connect existed before the pandemic and was moving in that direction. But the pandemic has fundamentally accelerated it. Uh, what we also see, though, is that it won't return to normal. Uh, for example, what we've seen from some organizations is that 40 to 50% of their people are now working remotely, but even then they'll only go back to kind of 25%. In the past, they were at 10%. So we're seeing a tripling uh, of the amount of people working in this way, and I think we'll see it ongoing as well. The other thing I would say is that, you know, business leaders like myself and, and my peers are, are cutting OPEX budgets for things like travel, not eradicating them, but reducing them. They're cutting OPEX budgets for things like real estate and being smarter about how do we use real estate rather than be imprisoned by it, so to speak. And therefore, we're relying on technology to give us more flexibility in how we operate. Now, to your point, that then gives rise to cyber threat, right? It, it expands the attack surface. It makes it much bigger uh, an area to cover. I would also say not only are we seeing people working from home, so we're seeing a diaspora of people and the devices by which they connect, we're also seeing the things to which they connect changing. We're seeing a massive explosion in the number of cloud applications, in IaaS infrastructure, in both sanctioned and unsanctioned applications, i.e. cloud applications that the company buys themselves, cloud applications which departments, divisions, or people within an organization buys unknowingly to that company. And that's also a, 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 a threat vector because now we can start to share information. We can start to leave it on public buckets that may not be secured, may not be encrypted. Uh, we may start to share information thinking we're doing so in one team's community, but that community is actually includes external people unbeknownst to us. And so there's all these different types of risks that open up that we need to think about securing. And again, we need to think about securing it without adding your untold complexity. So how do we flex our infrastructure to cover that as opposed to bolt things on with gaps in the middle? Bearing all that in mind, what can organisations do to ensure that they're not part of the, the next trillion dollars uh, of cyber criminal damage? And uh, how can they secure themselves against, against the ongoing cyber attacks? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think, you know, one of the things I talked about earlier was spending you know so part of it a small part of it but a part of that trillion dollars 145 billion is in cyber spend so my view on that is spend smartly you know yeah I, I get sometimes there's a compelling need to react quickly and sometimes if we're in an emergency situation we can't make a good long-term decision so be it it's an emergency but where we can let's make smart decisions thinking about how does all of this investment tie together in an architectural vision you know how does it tie together with what i already have how does it tie together with how i see the shape of my infrastructure and my business changing over time so that i have flexibility built in to, to morph is that changes without breaking my architecture 
Um, and what that does mean is not having just discrete silos of bolt-on, but having things that I can manage in a uniform way, thinking of it as a platform, thinking about common policy, thinking about how do I operationalize this? How can I share threat intelligence across that platform, not just for visibility, but also for control as well, regardless of whether it's on-prem, on someone's device, on a mobile device in the cloud, you know, bringing all of that in. And there are no perfect solutions, but thinking that through as an integrated approach, I think that makes a ton of sense. So that, that comes a little bit on the spend. You know, the other thing I would say is obviously education. We talk about it a lot, but it, it never changes. We need to continue to educate people, uh, particularly when they're a diaspora working from home and we don't have the posters in the office or in-person all hands, you know, thinking differently about how we reach our constituent employees to help them understand the risks that they may be exposed to. You know, if somebody's offering them a vaccine for a good price, if someone's sending them an email saying they've got a delivery, do they want to know its tracking status and they don't know what that delivery is, nor do they recognize the URL? You know, just different types of training and gamification even to engage employees uh, as a part of that cyber frontline of defense. Hopefully uh, for those watching this video it'll also serve as education and help as well. It's been some really good advice Adam. Uh, thanks for joining me on ZDNet Security Update and for more information and advice on how you can protect yourself from cyber attacks uh, be sure to keep watching ZDNet YouTube channel and keep reading articles and features on ZDNet. Thanks for watching.